The Insights Idaho Department of Finance communicates department news and perspectives to aid consumers in making educated financial decisions and to inform both industry and consumers of regulatory and consumer protection issues. Welcome to the fourth episode of Insights. I'm Celia Kenney, Consumer Affairs Officer with the Idaho Department of Finance. Today, I'm joined by Rochelle Latau, Consumer Specialist with the Idaho Attorney General's Office. And we're going to be discussing a topic that we're both super passionate about, consumer protection. This episode will air during National Consumer Protection Week, an annual time when government agencies, consumer protection groups, and organizations like ours work together to share information about consumer rights and help people learn to spot, avoid, and report scams. I think it's a good idea to kick things off by explaining how our respective agencies are involved in consumer protection. Here at the Idaho Department of Finance, we are very invested in this area. In fact, the second sentence in our mission statement is safeguarding the financial health of Idaho consumers through education and protection. But what does that mean in plain language, right? Uh, so our agency offers two primary resources to consumers in this space. Uh, the first is complaint mediation or the option for consumers to file a complaint about or against a financial service provider, practice, or product. Uh, the department's role in comp this complaint realm is to act as a third-party mediator of sorts, um, not to advocate for one party or another, but to open the lines of communication and to determine if there has been a violation of the laws we enforce. Uh, I can tell you that between roughly January 2020 to December 2022, the department investigated just under 600 complaints. Uh, roughly 45% of those cases were mediated with some benefit to the consumer. The second resource the department offers is consumer education, specific to financial literacy, including how consumers can protect themselves from financial frauds and scams. And that brings us here today to promote National Consumer Protection Week. Uh, Rochelle, I've done a lot of talking here. Will you tell us a little bit about yourself and the Idaho Attorney General's role in consumer protection? Well, first off, Celia, thank you so much for inviting me to join you today. I am thrilled to be here on behalf of the Attorney General's Consumer Protection Division. Our office protects consumers, businesses, and the marketplace from unfair or deceptive acts and practices. We accomplish this through dispute resolution, education, and enforcement of Idaho's consumer protection laws. Um, much of what we do mirrors what the Idaho Department of Finance does. For example, our dispute resolution process is very similar to the complaint mediation process you described. Um, last year, consumers filed more than 1,400 complaints with our office. And like the Department of Finance, um, consumer complaints help our office identify potential problems and violations of the laws we enforce. In 2022, the Attorney General's Consumer Protection Division recovered more than $14.5 million in consumer restitution. If any listeners are interested in learning more about what our office does or enforcement actions that we took last year, um, they can check out our annual report on our website at ag.idaho.gov. And finally, um, we also provide educational information to consumers. Uh, this allows me to work with people like you to help Idahoans learn more about their rights and how to protect themselves. So National Consumer Protection Week uh, is the time when agencies like the Idaho Department of Finance and the Idaho Attorney General's Office are, are really working hard to get the word out about how important scam and fraud awareness is. 
Uh, can you share with us what you are hearing or seeing from Idahoans, uh, specifically how big of a problem are scams right now? You know, unfortunately, scams are a huge problem for Idahoans. Um, the Federal Trade Commission, which I may call the FTC as we as we chat today, but want to make sure everybody knows Federal Trade Commission um, or the FTC, they accept fraud reports from across the U.S. and they track them quarterly. Um, the numbers that have been released so far for 2022 are only the first three quarters. So that would encompass January through September of 2022. But during that time, Idahoans filed more than 6,700 fraud reports and the total dollar amount lost by our friends, family members, neighbors is roughly $20 million um, with a median dollar amount lost of 500. And that median amount just means that half of folks lost less than $500 and half of folks lost more than $500. Um, and if the FTC numbers hold for the fourth quarter of 2022, imposter scams will be the top uh, reported category for from Idahoans, followed by identity theft. Mm. And, you know, like I said, it is a huge problem, problem. And our office receives phone calls every day from Idahoans who have encountered a scam or fallen victim to one. Let me give a, a couple of examples. Um, just this week, I spoke with a consumer who received an email from somebody pretending to be PayPal. The email directed her to pay an invoice, but the text of the email also said if she didn't make that purchase, she should call their fraud department, and the email provided phone numbers that she could call. She was suspicious, thank goodness, um, so she called our office for advice. That's what we call a phishing scam, phishing being PH, um, where you receive an email that's trying to get you to pay money you don't owe or disclose information that you didn't mean to disclose. The phone numbers that were provided in that email were not ones associated with PayPal at all. Um, another scam that our office hears about quite often are sweepstakes scams. In these situations, um, someone will receive a call from an individual who is claiming to be with Publishers Clearinghouse, and that person will tell the person they've called that they've won a huge amount of money. However, in order to collect the prize, they need to pay taxes first. Anytime someone tells you that you have to pay to collect a prize, it's a scam. That's so true, Rochelle. And similarly, our office also fields a steady volume of calls and complaints from consumers, often who have encountered a scam when searching for help or advice for a financial issue. Um, one example is a, that I can speak to recently. It was from a consumer who had searched online for a short-term loan. In the application process, they were prompted to provide their login credentials to their financial institution. Ultimately, that log information was used by the perpetrator of the scam to make mobile deposits of electronic checks into the consumer's account. The scammer then directed this consumer to use those funds to purchase gift cards under the guise that this act of good faith by the consumer would later help them qualify for a higher dollar loan amount or more favorable terms. 
And you can guess how that uh, played out. Ultimately, the mobile deposits were deemed fictitious by the financial institution, and the consumer was liable for the lost funds because they willingly shared the account access, the login credentials, uh, with the perpetrator and authorized the transactions. Now, this is a good example of a scam that has many layers. It's an online scam. It's a loan scam and a gift card scam. But if we dissect it, the warning signs were there. A request for personal information, the login credentials, a measure of good faith to groom the target, the initial deposit of funds, and the requested action from the consumer to purchase the gift cards. These warning signs are also often present in common housing scams, whether it be a foreclosure rescue scam or a loan modification scam. In these scenarios, the consumer may be required to sign over the deed to their home or pay exorbitant upfront fees to receive the so-called relief. One of the most important pieces of advice we consistently provide to consumers when it comes to financial matters is to carefully review all of their documents, such as contracts, and thoroughly research any individual or company they may be considering doing business with before they take any action. Uh, Rochelle, I'd like to take a quick step back. You had mentioned your office receives consumer calls daily. Uh, is there a specific demographic or population that you hear from the most? You know, Celia, we hear from absolutely everyone. Many people will assume that older adults are most likely to be targeted by and lose money to a scammer, but that isn't the case. Scammers are equal opportunity regarding who they try to steal money from, and younger adults are just as likely to be targeted as older adults. Um, I want to throw back to some statistics from the Federal Trade Commission. Last year, scam reports filed with the FTC showed that people ages 30 to 30 were most often the ones, the age group, that reported losing money to scammers. However, when older adults lost money, especially those 80 years of old and older, they lost higher dollar amounts. Um, the median amount of money lost by older adults was three times higher than that lost by younger adults. In consumer protection, we often say it's not a matter of if, but when a person will encounter a scam or a fraud attempt. So maybe uh, we should talk about where people are running into these things. Um, people that our office receives phone calls from often think that scammers are only going to contact them by phone. Do you guys hear the same thing from consumers? Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. Great point, Rochelle. I would say most of what we've been hearing from consumers as of late, uh, the last maybe year or so, relate to scams that they've encountered primarily online. Uh, as I mentioned in the, the first example, they're searching for a loan. They might be following a Finfluencer uh, that's touting the latest and greatest investment strategy. They might be looking for employment or even companionship on a dating website or Facebook. Uh, with this being said, consumers still forward us mail they receive containing deceptive advertisements and even forward us call transcripts, voicemail transcripts um, that they've received from phony collectors uh, threatening them over a phantom or fake debt. I know even door-to-door -door sales and other in-person scams are still a thing. So I think the bottom line for consumers here is never let your guard down. Scammers are present in any space where there may be a potential target. 
Um, Rochelle, those who have never been impacted, you know, by a scam tend to think that only a sucker could get scammed. But I often hear from scam victims, I never thought this would happen to me. I always thought I was too smart to get scammed. We know that scammers are professional criminals. This is what they do. It's an industry. Can you share a few general red flags of fraud and scams a consumer can watch for? Uh, yeah, that I certainly can, um, because, of course, it can be overwhelming to try to learn every scam that's out there. You and I have already talked about a few different scams, but the red flags for any scam are often the same. If listeners can remember the four P's, it can help them spot scams no matter where they might encounter them. So let's go through those P's that we like to tell people to remember. The first P is pretend. Scammers will often pretend to be from an organization that you're familiar with, or they'll pretend to be someone you know. Earlier, I talked about the woman who received the email from somebody pretending to be PayPal. Scammers love to pretend to be from government entities like the IRS. They'll also pretend to be an old friend on Facebook that you haven't heard from in years. The second P is actually two P's in one. It's prize or problem. Scammers will usually say there is a prize that the potential target has won or that there is a problem that they have to deal with. So prize or problem is that second P. The third P is pressure. Scammers will pressure you to act immediately. They do this so you don't have time to think things through. And the fourth P that we tell folks to watch out for is pay. Scammers are going to ask you to pay. This is, this is how they're making their living. They're, they're getting your money. And the, but they're going to ask you to pay in very specific ways, such as by wire or bank transfer, cash, gift cards, cryptocurrency. That's a real popular one right now. Um, or also direct payment applications like Venmo or Zelle or Cash App. The thing that all these payment methods have in common is that once you pay the scammer using one of them, it can be almost impossible to recover your money. These four P's are a great acronym uh, consumers can use to recall when they're trying to spot a scam. Are there any other action items or steps consumers can take to protect themselves just generally? You know, there are. Some of the things we tell folks to do to avoid being scammed tie into the four P's we just talked about. Um, for example, it's really important or, or beneficial to know how scammers might tell you to pay. No government agency will demand that you pay by gift card. It's just not going to happen. Um, never pay someone who insists you pay with cryptocurrency or a wire transfer service like Western Union or MoneyGram. And never, ever, ever deposit a check and send money back to someone. Um, another tip we like to give people that tie into the four P's, remember, they, they're going to pressure you. So we ask folks to take a breath and slow your interactions down. Resist the pressure that scammers are going to put on you to act immediately. Honest businesses are going to give you time to make a decision. And anyone who pressures you to pay or to give them your personal information could very well be a scammer. 
um, stepping away, I guess, from the four Ps a little bit, uh, we will often advise folks that if you can avoid it, don't answer calls from phone numbers you don't recognize. I know this can be really hard. You know, I grew up, you know, and the phone rang and we would all answer it. Um, for safety's sake, it is really sometimes better to just let those calls go to voicemail. And if it's someone who wants to speak with you, they'll leave a message. And also, um, you can block unwanted calls and text messages. If there's anyone who doesn't know how to do that, reach out to your telephone service provider. They can give you great instructions on how to accomplish that. And then I think the final thing I would probably recommend would be don't give personal or financial information in response to a request you didn't expect. Again, Honest organizations won't call, email, or text and ask for your personal information. And that information can range from like your social security number to your bank account or credit card number. Even, you know, for older adults, they'll ask for your Medicare number. Don't give that info out. Um, Celia, does the Department of Finance have other tips that they give consumers on how to avoid scams? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I think You've hit on some of the major, major points that, that we would want to get across here. But I would, I would say be skeptical, right? If something seems off or not quite right, pay attention to your instincts. That's often what we hear from victims of scams is that they felt like something might not have been right, but, you know, either ignored it or based on, you know, the potential benefit went ahead and, and proceeded with, with the transaction. So be skeptical, pay attention to your instincts. That would be, you know, number one. The second thing, and you've keyed into this a bit, but it would be the importance of protecting your personal and financial information. I talked about the example of a consumer who provided their login credentials to a scammer and subsequently suffered financial harm. Insurance identification, a social security number, username, passwords, even third-party verification codes, which we're seeing now um, be kind of a tool for scammers. You want to keep that personal information private and protected. Another very important tip is to be extremely cautious of what you click on and respond to online, whether it be a link in your email, a text message, or a message or advertisement on social media from an old friend, family member, potential employer, whatever the case may be. Ignore or delete unsolicited messages. Think along the lines of those requests you get to verify unusual account activity or change, track a change in your shipping or delivery date. And then finally, whether you're shopping for a loan, searching for investment advice, uh, seeking help for a mortgage issue, or have a question about a collection call or bill, it's very important for consumers to confirm an individual or company is licensed with the department to offer these services or products in Idaho. We have a tool on our website, which is idaho.finance.gov, where consumers can locate this information. It's the licensee lookup tool. And they can also contact our office by phone with any remaining questions. Now that we've shared, Rochelle, how to spot and avoid scams, let's wrap things up with how consumers can report them. Uh, what are some resources and avenues that you provide to consumers? I guess resources for um, reporting scams, you know, obviously, you and I would love it if no Idahoan ever fell victim to a scam, but unfortunately, it does happen. And if it does, 
I, I want to encourage lis- listeners, if it happens to them or a family member, please don't be embarrassed. It can truly happen to anyone, and reporting it quickly is crucial. While it is very difficult to recover money lost to a scammer, acting fast can make the difference in whether or not money that was lost can be recovered, and acting fast can also minimize the impact of compromised personal information. So when we hear from folks who say, I've fallen victim to a scam or my mom or my dad or my brother, sister, whatever, has fallen victim to a scam, we tell them to report it to a few different places. First and foremost, if they lost money to a scammer, they should contact their local police and file a police report. If they sent money to a scammer, what they do will depend on how they sent that money. If they sent it through a payment app, contact that app immediately. Um, If they provided the scammer with the numbers off the back of a gift card, call the issuer of the gift card. Um, If they did a bank transfer, call your bank. Really, I think the, the important thing is time is of the essence. Um, If the contact or the crime occurred online, file a complaint with the FBI's Internet Crime Complaint Center. Um, They have a really easy website address to remember. It's just ic3.gov. So that's the FBI's Internet Crime Complaint Center, ic3.gov. And then we also tell folks to report fraud and scams to the Federal Trade Commission at reportfraud.ftc.gov. Now, when we talk to folks who have fallen victim to scams, a lot of times identity theft may have been part of that. Um, Celia, do you have suggestions for consumers who have concerns about identity theft when they contact your office? Well, as you mentioned, Rochelle, we would first encourage consumers that have suffered any financial harm to contact their local law enforcement office to report that. Uh, Next, we would encourage consumers to visit the Federal Trade Commission website, identitytheft.gov. And we do this because they provide a personalized recovery plan to consumers based on their unique situation. So if you're a consumer who's experienced identity theft, you'll go through a, a few questions, essentially, to help identify the steps that you should take. And they're relatively exhaustive instructions that include things like how to contact your credit reporting agency, how to notify impacted parties, uh, and on and on. Another great option is the Identity Theft Resource Center. Their website is idtheftcenter.org. Uh, This is a nonprofit organization that has advisors who can help consumers who have been impacted by identity theft create a resolution plan also specific to their situation. And finally, Rochelle, I think we would be remiss if we fail to mention the Idaho Scam Jam Alliance. Um, This is a coalition of nonprofit organizations and government agencies with a standing mission of educating Idahoans with tools to recognize and stay protected from fraud and identity theft. Uh, Consumers can learn more about what the alliance offers uh, online at idscamjamalliance.org. That's idscamjamalliance.org. Rochelle, any final thoughts or advice for consumers? Um, You know, I think even though this is National Consumer Protection Week, being vigilant about scams and fraud is a year-round job. I would 
encourage people to pay attention to news stories about scams. Local and national media will often highlight trends in scams. So, for example, it's tax season. So tax scams are something to be on the lookout for. And, you know, I heard a radio advertisement that was trying to warn people about that recently. Um, I would also ask if a listener ever has questions about something they think might be a scam, um, please feel free to call our office. We tend to hear about every scam going around out there and are more than happy to talk through whatever situation somebody might have encountered. And I would say my final thought is if something sounds too good or too bad to be true, it probably is. Um, you know, it, that it's cliche, but it, with scams, that certainly holds true. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, Rochelle, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today uh, and to help share this really important information with Idaho consumers. Uh, on a final note to our listeners, uh, we will be releasing four new weekly podcast episodes in April in recognition of Financial Literacy Month. We've got a great lineup in store featuring some very special guest speakers and seasoned subject matter experts, so be sure to follow us on your preferred podcast platform. For more information on consumer protection and financial literacy topics, visit our website, finance.idaho.gov. We want to thank you for joining us for our production of Insights, the Idaho Department of Finance. We'd love to hear from you and learn more about the ideas and topics that are on your mind. Forward your suggestions and feedback to our email address, finance at finance.idaho.gov.